Wade in the water. Oh, Wade in the water, children. Wade in the water. God, why trouble the water? That was the spiritual Wade in the Water, sung by Queen Quet, chiefess of the Gullah Geechee Nation, recorded live at the Don't Drill South Carolina press conference held this past summer in Charleston, South Carolina. The Gullah region historically stretched from North Carolina's Cape Fear River all the way down to Jacksonville, Florida. The Gullah people have a historical and meaningful connection to their land, including the lush Atlantic coast in South Carolina's Low Country. Queen Quet represents the Gullah people and their interests as a member of the Don't Drill South Carolina Coalition, a group that describes themselves as a coalition of South Carolinians opposed to drilling off our coasts. This group also includes elected officials and policy organizations such as Oceana. This is The Nonprofit Experience, a podcast that presents candid conversations about the human experience of nonprofit work. I'm your host, Sandy Sear. At first, protecting the coast may seem like a straightforward enough goal for a nonprofit, but this week we hear from different organizations and individuals that need to be involved in order for such a monumental effort to be a success. Our producer, Preston Whitworth, has the story. In 2017, President Trump proposed reversing Obama-era protections on offshore drilling near American shores. President Trump's proposal which has yet to be enacted or cleared legally, would open nearly all U.S. oceans to drilling, including areas off of the Atlantic and Pacific that have been closed to drilling for 30 years. For anyone opposed to offshore drilling, President Trump's publicly stated goal was a serious call to arms. Jackie Savitz has spent the last few years working overtime to partner with anyone interested in protecting the oceans and coast from oil or gas drilling. It is these partnerships between organizations and voters and businesses and elected officials and activists that we're most interested in exploring on today's episode. Jackie works as the North America Chief Policy Officer for Oceana, a nonprofit dedicated to protecting and restoring the world's oceans on a global scale. At that Don't Drill South Carolina Coalition press conference slash rally, Jackie spoke on behalf of Oceana to the 200-plus attendees unified in their fight to protect their coast. Offshore drilling is a massive job killer, and it is a massive economy killer. Just on the East Coast alone, a million and a half jobs are threatened by offshore drilling. That's uh, over $100 billion in gross domestic product, much of it here in South Carolina, as you heard. So we need to pull together to defend the tourism industry, to defend the recreation, the fishing industries from this attack. Oceana and Jackie's opposition to offshore drilling isn't too surprising given their organization's mission. Let's meet some of the local elected government leaders from South Carolina who also spoke at the rally to get a sense for the disparate interested parties that join causes like Don't Drill South Carolina. First up, a pair of mayors from smaller coastal towns. Miriam C. Green is the mayor of Awendaw, a fishing town with an official population of just under 1,300 residents. I need to tell a story. I don't want to offend nobody about being biblical, but I look to offshore drilling as Jonah 
being in the whale. Okay? While Jonah was in that whale, he was in there for three days. Mind you now how you drill. Jonah and the whale might come back and get you. <laughs> so you got to be careful where you drill and how you drill because God don't want drilling nowhere because it destroys our ocean, our beaches, and not only that, it destroys the welfare of our community because people live to fish, shrimp, clam, oysters, all of the above. So whenever people look at it that way, that's a message sent. And you should know better because it's biblical. Do not drill at all. You don't need to drill because Jesus fed his people with what? Fish and bread. So don't destroy what God has planted for you because we all will suffer. So I tell the people who is doing all the testing and all the drilling to damn it, stop. Stop right now because I've had enough. And we stand together and I care for everybody. Stop the drilling. Thank you. The other mayor who spoke at the rally was Jimmy Carroll, mayor of the slender barrier island city, Isle of Palms. Look how lucky we are to live in South Carolina. We got 187 miles of coastline. It's gorgeous. The Ace Basin, 360,000 acres of pristine land. Cape Romaine National Wildlife Refuge, 66,000 acres. The Santee Coastal Reserve, 24,000 acres, not to mention the largest river delta on the East Coast. The Tom Yaki Wildlife Center, 20,000 acres. Waccamaw National Wildlife Refuge, 20,000, going to increase to 50,000 acres. We also have undeveloped or limited developed islands such as um, Bay Point, St. Phillips, Pritchard Island, and Hunting Island. We don't want to risk these islands. And then we have these small islands like Isle Palms and Sullivan's Island and Folly Beach and Myrtle Beach that are developed, but we don't want offshore drilling. All, all the coastal mayors in South Carolina, South Carolina Beach Advocates, were against it. Not only that, the whole East Coast mayors are against it. Even more importantly, our governor, Henry McMaster, is against it. Our attorney general, Alan Wilson, is against it but so are all governors on the East Coast. There ought to be a message being sent there. But when you look at these conservation easements that we have, South Carolina has been leading the nation and people are looking at what we have accomplished and doing the same thing by following South Carolina's route. 
we live in a place that we cannot afford to lose. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. One out of every 10 jobs in South Carolina are due to tourism. Why would we risk this? Talking environmentally, just talk about onshore infrastructure. I went down to Texas, and I came back by Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, and I looked at the onshore infrastructure. We don't want that industrial look. Not just here on this coast, but all coast. We don't want seismic testing. There are so many whales out there. The most endangered are right whale. It hunts, it feeds, it procreates, all by sound sonic waves. It's the same waves that go from this seismic testing. We don't want it. Oil is like a hurricane. It's not a matter of if it's going to start leaking, but a matter of when. And think about the Gulf Stream offshore, clockwise. If something happens down in Georgia, it's going to come up to South Carolina, North Carolina, all the way around and possibly over to Europe. It's a big circle. We don't want it. We beg our leaders. This is not a Democratic or Republican issue. It's a bipartisan issue about our environment, about our lifestyles, about our homes. So please, let's stay together and just say no. Thank y'all. We've heard from a few people who have explained their reasons for opposing offshore drilling. But we've yet to hear about what it takes to actually protect the coast, legislation, policy. And that is the reason one of Oceana's policy officers, Jackie Savitz, sought allies like South Carolina's State Senator Chip Campson and Joe Cunningham of the United States House of Representatives. At the state level, Senator Campson introduced a budget proviso, which prohibits the permits needed for the onshore infrastructure required for offshore drilling. Senator Campson's budget proviso passed the Republican-controlled Senate by a vote of 40 to 4. It was also approved by the state's House representatives and also made into law by the Republican governor. However, Senator Campson believes it is South Carolina's multi-generational connection to its natural resources that has unified the state's elected officials. I want to quote John Sawhill, who was the president of the Nature Conservancy, former president of the Nature Conservancy. John Sawhill said, A society defines itself not only by what it creates, but also by what it refuses to destroy. Okay, that's a very appropriate quote for this situation. We decided decades ago that we weren't going to destroy our coast. The Industrial Revolution passed South Carolina by. It did. I mean, we, we didn't reco begin to recover from the Civil War economically until the 1950s or 60s. We had a few textile mills in the upstate. We had the Navy base in Charleston, and that was it. We were living on and off our land or on and off our water and our natural resources and, the, and marine resources. And we have a real connection. 
that we had a real we have a real connection with our natural resources is what we made a living from we didn't have factories we had to make it make do with what we had in for in terms of natural resources so we have a real deep multi-generational connection and that's why we have a love for it and this i think they're starting to get it you know they're starting to get it and see that but that's why we have a, such a bipartisan support state protections are an important strategic piece to protecting the coast but it only gets you so far in the case of north carolina the state's jurisdiction only legally extends to three miles off the coast anything past three miles into the ocean is federally controlled and it would require a piece of legislation at the national level to prohibit offshore drilling in federal waters. And this is where Representative Joe Cunningham comes in. He is a newly elected member of the House of Representatives elected during the 2018 midterms. And, on his fourth day in office, Representative Cunningham introduced a bill in Congress meant to put an end to offshore drilling at the federal level as well. That bill introduced by Representative Cunningham, is called H.R. 1941, and he explained to the rally attendees himself just why this particular bill is needed now. This is an issue that we will tackle at every single corner, whether it be in the general, state General Assembly, whether it be at the U.S. House of Representatives, whether it be in court. We will take this issue, and we will bring some finality to it and bring some closure to it, and that's what the H.R. 1941 will do. It'll be putting a nail in the coffin of offshore drilling, off our shoreline. So I want to thank all of those groups that represent here tonight and, and who may not be here tonight. And I think that each and every one of us are drawn to this area because we get something different out of that. When we go to the beach or when we go out on the water or when we drive across a bridge and we, the scenery just takes our breath away. And at the end of the day, each and every one of us are fighting for a little bit different of a reason, but all fighting for the same reason, ultimately. So I'm proud to stand in front of you here today, knowing that I was carried to Washington, D.C. on the shoulders of you all. This is a message that was born by you all. A few hours before the rally, before the singing of spirituals and calls to action, Representative Cunningham and Oceana's Jackie Savitz sat down to talk big picture stuff. What happens next? Who do they need to keep interested? And how do they do it? Representative Cunningham's Charleston office, where we recorded their conversation, is next door to a National Guard base, and you'll likely hear the not-too-distant sounds of military machinery during their conversation. Everybody loves the coast and, you know, the, the industries that depend on the coast are tourism and recreation and fishing industries, and those are not partisan issues. Those are things everybody cares about, and so the ocean is really not a partisan issue. And the fact is, if you want to get something done anymore, it, it kind of has to be bipartisan. Mm -hmm. So um, that's why we're so happy that it has been, and, um, and we've been able to get support from those folks and others throughout the country. We're at the point now where all of the governors on the east and west coast have opposed offshore drilling. Um, that is not where we started. And right. so it's just it's unbelievable, really. And you think about who has the ability to, to affect the president's decision. And, you know, it's members of Congress like yourself and senators and governors, uh, probably a lot more than us environmentalists knocking on his door. So it's, it's great to have all this support. No, I, th I think I, I love how y'all keep people uh, on the same page and keep this issue front and center uh, for people uh, and 
reiterate this is you know it is a strong possibility that oil rigs could show up off our shorelines if people aren't stepping up and engaging in discussion and and letting elected officials know exactly where they stand and why we're fighting like hell to protect this and and everybody recognizes that that you know when you drill you spill and that if any rigs are going to be placed off the coastline uh, we're going to see some oil up on our beaches and uh, our our economy, our natural resources are too important to jeopardize in that manner. I mean, we've got a tourism economy in South Carolina that's by over $22 billion in 2018, the majority of which comes from the coastal area. Yeah. So uh, we can't do anything to put that in jeopardy. It's true. And, you know, it's interesting because when, um, when President Obama was elected, we thought, well, okay, now we have President Obama. We're not going to have any offshore drilling. And sure enough, he had what he called the all-of-the-above energy strategy, and it wasn't that simple. And the, the coasts were still up for grabs. And when I spoke to one of his top people at the Department of the Interior and said, why are you – he wanted to drill in the southeast. He was taking the northeast off the, off the table, and he took the Pacific off the table. And I said, why didn't you take the southeast off the table? And he said – and his – senior guy said, the people in New Jersey don't want this, the people in California don't want this. And I remember looking at him and saying, well, the people in the Southeast don't want this either. But they hadn't said so. Hmm. And that's really what this campaign's all been about, is getting the people to say what they want. And once that happens in a big way, we have a good chance of winning. Yeah, and I've seen so many different arguments materialize along this journey. I remember sitting in the, uh, on the House floor whenever President Trump gave his State of the Union and declared that the United States is now energy independent. To that extent, you know, why would we endanger our beaches and our coastal areas to offshore drilling if now we're energy independent and we're a net exporter of oil? So, so the conversation has, has come a long way, and uh, a lot of things have changed, and uh, you know, we have every reason in the world to, to ban offshore drilling and protect our beaches and our shorelines like you know, whether it be Kiowa or Hilton Head or anywhere up and down the eastern seaboard or the west coast. You've also been very supportive of our effort to stop the seismic blasting, which is the first step to offshore <laughs> drilling, right? You can't drill without without that seismic blasting. And um, I know you, you pulled a, an interesting stunt in the in the House uh, committee hearing. What was the story yeah, there? Well, uh, demonstrative evidence is, is, is strong and we had a, an official from, from NOAA coming in to, to testify in front of the uh, uh, Subcommittee for Natural Resources. The topic of seismic air gun blasting came up, which is a precursor to offshore drilling. It's where you know, they, they tow behind the ship uh, these seismic air guns that blast into the water. And what that does is it hits the seafloor, penetrates, and comes back up and locates uh, reserves, oil, oil and gas pockets. It's very loud. It's very disruptive. Uh, these are uh, air gun blasts that can be heard from literally thousands of miles away. The sound can travel from a distance from New York to L.A. Wow. And so the impact that this has on the ecosystem and marine life cannot be, uh, you know, it cannot be overstated. For fish and, and marine life that use sound to communicate, to find food, to live, uh, it's a huge disruption. So we took a we took an air horn into to that committee and asked him if he knew how loud seismic air gun blasting actually was, and he did not. And so we blasted an air horn, and then asked him if he knew how much louder it was than an air horn. If it's went five times, ten times, a hundred times, uh, still had no idea. But didn't think it was a hundred times. And we had to tell him it's actually sixteen thousand times louder wow. yeah. than this air horn. It's such a great demonstration and. And, uh, and I remember he said it was kind of disturbing <laughs> yeah. to hear that. 
Yeah, he's, he's like, well, I found it a little bit annoying, but but not you know not totally uh, disruptive. disruptive. Yeah, but uh, but but the point is, if that that's going on for every ten seconds for days, weeks, or months on end, yeah, um, you can see what what you know what kind of effect that was. I read an article recently how seismic air gun blasting is damaging lobster, and they, these are you know different articles that come out from different science journals that mm-hmm. that um, that detail the impact of seismic air gun blasting and how just the precursor for offshore drilling is devastating to our marine environment. Right, and they want to do, they want to let every company blast and not necessarily share their information so you could end up blasting the same place over and over again. And in particular, we're concerned about the North Atlantic right whale, right. Um, which is an endangered species of whale that migrates from the south up the, up the north coast up to Canada and this whale, they're down to about 400 individuals left, that's all. So they're really at risk of extinction. If you like mess with one of their reproductive process or mating or ability to find food, and that whale doesn't make it as a result, that makes it really hard for the population to recover. And they're like right in the zone where they want to do this blasting. Mm-hmm. So that's a big concern for us. And I think the idea of having that air gun or 16,000 times louder thing happening um, over and over and over again, it's just kind of guaranteed to be disruptive, but, you know. Absolutely, yeah. You can't you can't uh, say with a straight face that this does won't have an impact on our marine life. It, you know, considering how how delicate it is and how sound travels underwater and sixteen thousand times louder, and the fact that we have less right whales than we do members of Congress right now <laughs> yeah. in existence, and it shows you how dire that th- that threat is. Um, and this is just the precursor, and more you know, more or less the the oil spills that we've seen, it comes, uh, uh, comes as a result of that. And your bill would prevent the ability to expand offshore drilling into the Atlantic and Pacific coasts. Right, and so H.R. 1941 um, would, ban, would ban offshore drilling along the eastern seaboard. Um, all you know, all the way down to uh, the tip of Florida, uh, and then also the West Coast as well. Um, and so this this would just take it out of play because you know, a lot of people live in suspension here, not knowing if oil rigs are going to show up or when they're going to uh, seismic test. Um, you know, DHEC uh, asked for a public commenting period on um, a company uh, that applied for a seismic air gun blasting permit, and and the response from the public was just like nothing we've ever seen, like over 1,700 written responses. Wow, that's amazing. And that's just here in South Carolina. Right. That's amazing. So the public has really kind of gotten up to speed on this issue, and they understand the risks, and they don't want it. I mean, and that's a testament to Oceana and, and other groups that have been educating people on it. I mean, this is, yeah, I just arrived in the halls Thank of Congress <laughs> seven months ago. So, yeah, I re- recognize you all been have been championing this for, for a long time now, and I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm glad to, to play a small part in that and helping get this through Congress and hopefully get to the President's desk. Well, thank you for saying that. Obviously, we've had a lot of help. There's a lot of great community organizations and local conservation groups in this region. Um, and, of course, just the business leaders and, and the fishermen and the realtors and all those folks that have been helping us. It's interesting because I remember when this the original moratorium was lifted around the George W. Bush period, 
um, a study was done that showed that the environmental community had like no traction at all on the offshore drilling issue, that the entire environmental community had essentially shifted its efforts to climate change and there was no constituency opposing offshore drilling. And we at Oceana thought, wow, well we need to like partner with like everybody in the community and, and, and start building that constituency. And that's basically what we ended up doing, but it, t it turned out a lot of our partners were local organizations, um, you know, like here in South Carolina. That they got on board because they understood that it was their coast that was at, at risk, and that's been able to to build that opposition that we needed. And then when President Trump came in and he said, "Well, it's not just the Southeast; I want to drill everywhere," and the Pacific came into play, and that was a big shock because that hadn't been in play at all up until that point. We had to look to the Southeast and to South Carolina and North Carolina and say, "What we did there is working. Let's take that and replicate it." in California and it's it's really worked out very well and, and now there's a lot of opposition even in parts of California like Southern California where it's typically pretty conservative um, but again it is not a partisan thing as soon as they hear that there could be drilling there could be pipelines refineries spills uh, they get on board and yeah. everybody's on the same page yeah and, and I hate to belabor the point on how bipartisan it is but you know when we talk to colleagues across the aisle reiterate that you know they, they really can't not able to call yourself a, a true conservative that ideology doesn't extend to the environment as well right you, know, you can't just say I'm conservative on these issues but not on our natural resources you know we, we want to have something to pass along to our children our grandchildren for them to go to the same beaches or um, you know fish in the same waterways um, and, uh, and, and something to pass along that's right. I mean, I was really amazed. Um, I think it was just a couple of months ago when President Trump, uh, when his Secretary of the Interior came to the table and essentially said that the offshore drilling plan was on hold. I think the word he used was indefinitely or for you know an undetermined period of time. And, and, and I was really amazed because we never really anticipated that possibility that we could have actually slowed this thing down and maybe even stopped it, at least for a while. Um, so we really feel like we're winning um, as a coalition. We really feel like we're winning in, in this uh, campaign. But we also know that at any moment, he could change his mind. And like paperwork is already done, and it's just like snap his fingers and drilling is, is moving forward. So we're trying to stay ready and, and you know make sure that we're prepared for that eventuality if that should happen. Yeah, I mean we've seen how how fluid things are up in Washington D.C. and. <laughs> And that's that's a, that's the impetus behind this bill too is just to put a nail in the coffin to it and put, bring some finality to it and say that um, you know that people have closure and can rest assured that they can go to the beach on Saturday and don't have to worry about scraping tar balls off right. the bottom of their heels uh, after they get down at the beach. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining us. This episode was edited by our producer Preston Whitwer. Shalina Omar is our digital director, and Andre Tidwell is the production assistant. All of our music was composed by David Mueller. I'm the executive producer and your host, Sandy Sear. This show is a listener-supported project of the Philanthropy Journal. You can donate, find show notes, and access previous episodes at philanthropyjournal.org. And don't forget, if you can, recycle an old cell phone, buckle up that seatbelt, and like the Facebook page for the Philanthropy Journal. In the water, oh, wait in the water, children, wait in the water.
your water. Well, thank God for troubling this your water for bring all of we to get up on the show. For make sure the other rest are chilling with D in Washington and things like that. No, say, we want no drill down ya. We don't tell them, say, the only black gold we want from this your course, the we. And we be Gullah Geechee. Okay? <laughs> <laughs>